Okay, Jim. Testing. Testing. Jim. I'm testing. here. Come yes. on in. Jim is All here. All right, good. I'll meet you back. All righty.
Coach Slat, testing, testing. Coach Slat, testing. I don't think we have you in the co-host speaker room. Not at all. You're in the listeners room. Marlo, see if you can get him over. He may have to go out and come back in. He's not in the co-host speaker's room. Good evening. Welcome to Cliff Burton, friends. Another evening where we'll be talking about the very best in women's sports 
and HBCU athletics. This evening, <clears throat> we have quite a lineup for you. We're going to start tonight, of course, by introducing my co-host, Jim Waddell. Hey, hello, everybody, Jim. Jim, say hello, everybody. Okay, I didn't unmute myself. I'm sorry. Hello, everybody. All right, good evening. And we'll have our co-host, Dr. Marlo Kemp, who's also coming on very, very shortly. And then tonight, we were trying to get a guest through Coach Roderick Slack, the head coach, head women's coach of tennis at Clark University in Atlanta, Georgia. So we'll wait to get Marlo on, and we'll get started. Let's start with our Women of the Month. None other than Miss Alice Coachman Davis. We've been talking about her all month. She was born November 9th, 1923. She died July 14th, 2014. She was a trailblazer. We've been talking about her all month. <clears throat> she was one of the first women and African-Americans to ever win an Olympic gold medal in 1948 at the Olympic Games in London, where she won the high drum. Her legacy. In 1979, Ms. Coachman was inducted into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. During the 1996 Summer Olympic Games in Atlanta, Coachman was honored as one of the 100 greatest Olympians. She was an honorary member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, inducted in 1998. In 2002, she was designated a Women's History Month honoree by the National Women's History Project. Coachman was also inducted to the USA Track and Field Hall of Fame in 1975 and the United States Olympic Hall of Fame in 2004. Alice Coachman has received recognition for opening the door for future African-American track stars, such as Evelyn Ashford, Florence Griffin Joyner, and Jackie Joyner Kersey. In fact, in the years since her display of Olympic crowning, black women have made up the majority of the U.S. women's Olympic track and field team. I think I opened the gate for all of them, she reflected. Whether they think that or not, we should be grateful to someone in the black race who was able to do these things. Jim, what do you think? Alice Coachman and the doors that she opened up. Yes, because if you look at our Olympic teams now, the track and field are mostly, especially in the running events, are pretty much all African-Americans. Yeah. And it's... It, it's interesting to think back in 1948, she was the first African-American, a trailblazer in that field. Yeah. And she learned how to run without any shoes on, Jim. That was amazing. Totally amazing. And just to think Jim, that her dad did not want her to even play sports. Remember, this was an era. There were no civil rights. There were no voting rights. There weren't any rights. In fact, Jim Crow was just now coming in. Yet she persevered and she got on through and she lived out her dreams. So one more time, Jim, Miss Alice Coachman Davis. What a job done. What a trailblazer. Yes. We have one more and, uh, and then it'll be time to another Women of the Month. Alice Coachman Davis. Okay, Jim, we also have another story, and this is coming out of Arkansas. 
There's a young lady who runs track and field for the University of Arkansas. Her name is Britton Wilson. And recently she broke the 400 meter collegiate record. Her time was somewhere of 49.5, no, 53.6 seconds on a Friday, about a week or so ago. And uh, this is the third fastest time they say in collegiate history, but on the outdoor at that track, it was a record. This young lady is going to be heard from. Joe, what do you think about this uh, hurdle race? You know, your your son went to a school with the greatest hurdle of all time, Edwin Moses went. But that's a tough race. So what do you think about Miss Britton Wilson of Arkansas? Hey, you know, you not only had to be a sprinter, but you had to be a, a hurdler. You had to navigate the hurdles because I've seen races lost with people miss out on one hurdle, stumble, and then it's over. Yeah. So you it's know. such a yeah, it's such a technical race it's that a gift. Uh, you're right. You have to be perfect in in your timing. I forgot how many steps they say Edward Moses used in between hurdles, but it was one or one and a half steps left less than all other hurdles in the world. You know, his record went on for about ten years where he did not. Did not lose a race. But Miss Brittany Wilson from the University of Arkansas, she's doing a great job. I don't have her year, Jim, so I don't know if she's a junior or a senior, but she's doing a great job in track and field. So we'll uh, continue to keep up with her. Brittany Wilson. Brittany Wilson. <laughs> now, we're going to move on to another story. Uh, this young lady is winning the game at a different level, and that is in the field of sports agency. Okay? Mrs. Ginger Lynn. She is the agent for Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And she is one of the first African-American females to become a sports agent. She's also the president of the football division of Sports Clutch. But recently, she pulled off the largest contract negotiation in NFL history. And uh, she got Jalen Hurts a contract for $255 million with $179 million guaranteed and also a $23 million signing bonus. So we're going to ask Dr. Kemp to come on in, and then yourself, Jim. What do you think about that? Um, hi, Dr. Bird. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm sorry, I just came in on the tail end, so I, didn't, I wasn't sure what you were speaking of. Jim? Well, you're speaking of the uh, young... I temporarily blanked out on as soon as Marlo said it. What are we talking about? Ms. Lynn, I'm sorry. the agent for Jalen Hurts. Oh, Jalen Hurts, the agent. I mean, you know, just last year, Jalen Hurts was questioned whether or not he was going to be the starting quarterback for Philadelphia in the future. Not only did he have an MVP-type year, he came on and led his team to the Super Bowl and just barely lost. A lot of people say he edged out Pat. He played better than Pat Mahomes in the game. Now, signing him, because he signed a second-round contract, he was able to sign his 
next contract one year earlier because he only had four years guaranteed where the other guys have five. So they jumped on it and, you know, he's got a contract that's like five million two hundred fifty five and Pat for five years and Pat Mahomes signed for ten years for five hundred million. So he technically right now is the highest paid player in the NFL. And you mm-hmm. have to give kudos to his agent. And That's Lamar Jackson might need to holler at her now <laughs> to be his agent. Marlo, what do you think about that? Wow. Um, all I can say is go Jalen Hurts. Shoot. Um, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. All righty. All righty. And Cliff, um, I found yeah. out some more on Brittany Wilson. Yeah. She originally started at UT and left UT in after to for Arkansas in 2021 after she had some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And that changed to be a catalyst for her to win the uh, 400 meter hurdles in NCA outdoors in June of 2022. Mm-hmm. So wow, so that's that's quite an accomplishment for the young lady from the University of of, of Arkansas. All righty, now um, also in track and field, what do you think about Shakari Richardson? She's come back. She had a tremendous race a few weeks ago. And uh, Jim, do you think this will be her season? Marla, do you think this will be her season? She's got to beat the three young ladies I, from I, Jamaica. Jim, I I hope so. How's she been doing in the uh, in the uh, outdoor season? Well, her first race, uh, she ran. I forgot it was ten something, ten five three maybe. It was outstanding time, but that's the only one I've heard. It's about three weeks ago. Um, and I know she looks much stronger than last year, or much better than That's last good. year. And she's trying to come back. I'm just. I think she'll come back. Go, okay, I'm just going to pin a statement from uh, our friend Stephen A. Smith for Shikari. Okay. Please stay off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> because Marlo, now, in, ahead, Jim, I'm sorry. In all fairness, in all fairness, I don't think that that contributed to her speed but it is a banned substance for the olympics so Uh you know i just hope she just you know i know she had a tragic event last year with the loss of a parent but i just hope that she can uh continue to do well and then in 2024 try to reclaim her crown in the in the olympics Right. And I mean, you know, because, you know, they're going to definitely be watching her and every little thing that she does, um, you know, she's just definitely going to have to be careful, extra careful. And they're going to be looking, waiting and watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I want to move on a little bit more. We're into our spring sport and we definitely want to make sure that we cover them well. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a short break. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about the uh, tennis tournaments as well as the track and field that's going on right now. All right, we'll be back in approximately one minute.
righty. And it looks like we were able to get Coach Roger Slack. He is in our co-host room. He's muted now, but he's here. And we're going to talk to him in about 15 minutes, the head coach, women's tennis at Clark University in Atlanta. So let's talk tennis. Let's talk a little bit about spring sports. Let's congratulate our champions in our different conferences. First thing, Florida A&M University, the Rattlers, they are the winners of the SWAC conference this year. And uh, they are to be congratulated on a great season, and they will be one of the uh, participants in the Division One national playoff system. It's just like basketball. We go all the way down to a national championship. So we'll be keeping up with these in all of our different divisions. Florida A. congratulations. I believe that's the school that our uh, CEO, is Sheila Townsend, is listening tonight for the Love Company. Her daughter played for a few years ago. So again, congratulations to the Rattlers. Now, let's move on to the CIAA tennis in the women's division. <clears throat> Shaw University has won the CIAA title for the fifth year in a row. They won over Johnson C. Smith University um, recently, and uh, they will be going on in the Division II playoffs. Jim, what do you think of Shaw's dominance in tennis? You know, usually you hear about him in basketball, the early part since 2000, but uh, what do you think about that in tennis? Well, you know, Cliff, if you're in the CIAA, which is mainly schools in North Carolina and Virginia, if you have a good coach who can continue to recruit players, yeah, that's a very, you know, it's very doable. And, you know, kudos to the, their coach because he's able year in, year out to turn on great athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's move on, Marlo. We'll move on to the MIAC. And they have not had their tournament yet. They will be playing their tournament in approximately a week. So we're going to have to look for those champions there. And then, and by the way, the Women's MEAC tournament will be held April 27th to April 29th, Cary Tennis Park in Cary, North Carolina, for those who would like to go see that tournament down there. Now, one more <coughs> conference tournament for tennis. And tonight we have as our guest, we'll be introducing in about 15 minutes, Coach Roger Slack of Clark Atlanta University. They won the regular season championship in the SIAC conference, but they were not fortunate enough to win the conference championship in the SIAC. I think Benedict, but we'll talk about that in about 15 minutes, but he had a great season and we'll talk to him a little later on. Now, I'm going to move on quickly, Jim. Track and field. The CIAA field championship is outdoor. will be May 5th and 6th. The SWAC championship, again, outdoor is coming up as well. And that will be held in a few weeks uh, down at Texas Southern in Prairie View, May 4th through the 6th, to be exact. Okay. And then we also have the the MIAC, and that's going to be held at Norfolk State, the outdoor track and field championships in just a few weeks. So 
There you have it. We're going to follow up. We know the Gulf Coast Conference has already completed their track and field championships, and Dilly University took the championships in the men and women's division. It seems like, Marlo, Jim, we just got through announcing the indoor track and field championships, and when you blink, you're already at outdoor track and field championships. What do you think? Marlo, I'll come to you first. The track and field is a great sport. We want to give this time. Exactly. They don't waste any time once they finish that. Um, and I guess that's kind of good because you're like on a momentum, you know, once you with all the training and everything you, you, you know, you are indoors and then, you know, you're just kind of just um, transitioning right from indoors, you know, to outdoors. So you're at least keeping the momentum, you know, going. Uh, so um, that's great. I think it's great. I can't wait to see, you know, how the teams do especially Prairie View. Well, they were the defending champions last year, indoor mm -hmm. and out there, Coach Angela Williams in the SWAC. But this year, indoor, Alabama State in the SWAC. Men and women both won the indoor. We're going to take a one-minute break, and then we're going to come back, Jim, with some of our men's sports before we get to Coach Slack in about 14 to 15 minutes. All righty? Well, Thank let me say one thing real quick, Cliff. Uh, I failed to mention this last week. Angelia Williams of Fisk University mm -hmm. went to school with us, won the uh, Florida Amateur Women's Golf Tournament. Oh, a wonderful. Weeks ago. All righty. I, I saw her play last year and she lost by one stroke. This year, I believe she won by one stroke. So, All congratulations right. to Angelia Williams. All righty. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jim. Angelia Whitley, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, we'll take one minute, and we'll be right back. Alrighty, Jim, give us some men's sports. Okay, as Cliff mentioned earlier, the MEAC Tennis Championship is going to be held on 427 through the 28th in Cary, North Carolina. SC State is going to be the top men's seed with Morgan State second. The 3-6 matchup is North Carolina Central versus Coppin State. Uh, the 4-5 matchup is Howard versus Norfolk State. The player of the week was Coppin State's Vinesh Kapoor. And the rookie of the year was North Carolina Central's Facindo Almedo. In the SWAC, and the MEAC does not have baseball, in the SWAC, the tennis champion was ASU, Alabama State. They <laughs> defeated Jackson State four to zip. The player of the week was in FAMU's Joseph Perini and Bethune-Cookman's Nolan Santos was the pitcher of the week. In the, stand, in the standings, uh, Arizona, Alabama State 
is first and tied with FAMU at 15 and 3. Bethune-Cookman, 11 and 5. Jackson State, 6 and 12. Alabama A&M, 3 and 13. And Mississippi Valley State, 2 and 16. Western Division, Grambling State is 13 and 4. Preview A&M is 12 and 5. TSU, Texas Southern is 10 and 6. Southern 8 and 7. Arkansas Pine Bluff, 4 and 14. And Alcorn State is 3 and 14. In the SIAC. Uh, yeah, that was baseball. Okay. The standings were baseball. In the SIAC, Joe Smith of Savannah State was the player of the week with a 500 batting average over three games. And Logan Watts of Miles was the pitcher of the week with pitched eight innings, giving up only one run. Standings, Albany State, 27-2. and two. Spring Hill, 26-4. and four. Savannah State, 17-7. Miles, 17-12. Kentucky State, 15-11. Edwin Waters, 12-11. Lane, 11-13. Morehouse, 11-19. Clark Atlanta, 9-18. Benedict, 7-17. Tuskegee, 8-22, Lamorne, 0-0-26. The in tennis, Spring Hill College defeated Tuskegee four to zip to win the men's tennis championship. The all the all-conference team led up by Mark Chagrizaro of Benedict, Paul Philip Kern of Spring Hill. Joseph Blockus and Terrain Aline of Tuskegee, Santiago Sosa of Morehouse, and Marcus Freeman of Lamorne Owen. The player of the week was Paul Henry Kern of Germany from Benedict. Now, on to basketball. I'm going to have to have Dr. Cliff and Dr. Marlowe help me out with this. I cannot remember a year where the playoffs have had so many injuries. Mm. You look at you look at um Greek Freak, Joel and B, John Morant, mm-hmm. um Kyrie, the man with Sacramento. The man with Sacramento. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Just last mm-hmm. night. Uh yes. Ooh. Kawhi hurt again. Yeah, Kawhi did not play the last two games, which, which they lost promptly to Phoenix. Um, I'm looking at the guy, yeah, the guy in, in, in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, every series has an injured player. I mean, you've been with the Knicks. Um, Randall, Julius Randall, was out of the game yesterday because he was hurt. I mean, are they playing too much in the regular season? Is it just freakish accident? Well, Jim, ever since they gone to the – it used to be the first round was three out of five. Second round – no, two out of three. Then the second round was three out of five. But then the NBA decided they needed more money. So they started spending the second round, I think, to four out of seven – First round, three out of five. But now you have four rounds 
of four out of seven for the last five, six, seven, eight years. And if you notice, if not this round, the next, there's all key players hurt because you, it doesn't matter how much more money you pay a body, the body can only go with so much. And so every year since they've extended to this four round, four out of seven, you have more entries. Now, is that the reason this year? I don't know. But if not this round, we're going to even see more of it. Yeah, I, what I've observed. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, like, what is, what are the number of games that they play, you know, during the regular season? 82. And, and then are they actually, you know, training or getting over their injuries in between the off season? You know, so you just tend to wonder if, you know, are they, are they letting their bodies recuperate, like Dr. B said, uh, you know, during the off season? or um you know getting enough rest or proper conditioning or you know who knows just the number of games um yeah i totally agree with uh just trying to make more money and extending you know this new system that they mm -hmm. have the guy's the players, name was De'Aaron fox yeah and um you look at victor oladipo yeah. out for the season after yesterday and uh tyler hero but you know what, Cliff and, and Marlo, I think might play into it too. These guys are playing AAU. And if you are on a top AAU team, I'm quite sure you play 150, 160 games per year mm -hmm. in the summer. So someone once told me that these guys are coming to the NBA at 19 and 20 with bodies of 27, 28 year olds because of all the tournament play that they play in the summer and spring for that matter too. I totally agree with you, Jim. I totally okay. agree. And it shows up. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you think back, back in the day, they didn't have all of these AAU teams and tournaments and, you know, all of that. Um, mm. And the players like magic and bird and, you know, um, Isaiah Thomas yeah, and all of them that, you know, that was actually coming into the league. I mean, of course, I know it, things have changed. Now, one thing that they had that they did that uh, other players didn't, they didn't play as much. But, you know, you look at Bird, Magic, Isaiah, that group, they only played, in the, they only played 12, 13 years in the pros. Mm -hmm. They did not play that long, but you know, they have better medical trainers and better medical uh, surgeries that mm -hmm. help out with these injuries. But I know the time is running short, but we do have a trade in the NFL. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's for the second time in 15 years, Green Bay Packers are trading an aging icon to the New York Jets. <laughs> and the Packers agreed today to deal Aaron Rodgers in their first round pick, which is number 15, a fifth round pick, number 170, to the Jets for their first round pick, which is 13th. So they the Packers move up two slots. The second round pick at 42, and a sixth round pick at 207, and a conditional second round pick in 2024. And if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, that pick will become a first round pick. 
So and he's coming to the Jets or the Giants? Which one again? The Jets. The Jets. Okay, maybe we, we may have Ooh, a don't shot. Don't tell um, uh, my man for the quarterback for the Giants just signed a big contract. <laughs> so he's not coming there. I, you know, I again, I'm a, I'm an unabashed Lions fan, so. I look at all this draft capital that the uh, Packers got and not happy. But I do believe that I saw someplace that the Packers are responsible for most of his contract unless he was traded after June 1st, which they were only on the hook for $10.5 So in that aspect, they don't have much money to sign anybody this year, but they'll have a lot of draft capital. Wow. We'll see. Because I've heard that if a certain quarterback is available, hint, uh, Hendon Hooker, that the Jets might draft him, give him a red, basically a red shirt year to get healthy if Aaron Rodgers is only going to play for one year. Because mm. they are definitely not excited about playing uh, the young man Zach Wilson from BYU that they drafted two years ago. Wow. He pretty much see, already is a has been. We'll have to see mm-hmm. how it plays out. And also, uh, next week, we want to make sure we talk about this gambling that's going on in the NFL. We got to hold it for next week, but we want to make sure we talk oh, about yeah. that. All right. Detroit All right. is the center of that. So, okay. Uh, thanks so much, Tim. We're going to take a 30 second break, and then we'll be right back with Coach Roderick Slack. Welcome back to Cliff Burton Friends. Jeff, welcome back. One of our regulars is in the audience tonight. And so he's been the tennis coach at Clark Atlanta University. He's been a tennis lover most of his life, loves young people. And this year he guided the Clark Atlanta University women's team to a 15 and five regular season record, a first place regular season championship in the tournament, they came up a little short in the semifinals, but I'm sure he'll be back. It is a pleasure to have with us tonight to represent Clark Atlanta University, the women's tennis coach, Coach Roderick Slack. Coach, can you hear us? And are you there? Coach? I can hear you fine. Oh, can yeah. You hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, can we can. Me? Yes, we can. Welcome okay, to the great. show. Thank I'm you very our... much. I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. I'm going to let our co host, uh, before we get started, Dr. Marlo Kemp and Jim Wardell say hello. And uh, we'll also have some questions in the chat. But uh, Marlo, you, then Jim, let's say hello to Coach Slack. Uh, good evening, Coach Slack. Welcome. Glad to have you on the show with us. Thank you very much. Pleased to meet you. Good All evening, right. Coach. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. So, Coach, 
let me just tell you before we get started, we all have HBCU running in our blood. Jim and myself are graduates of Fisk University. We played, I played basketball. Jim played golf. We both went in the 80s, class 85. And then Dr. Marlo Kemp is also a graduate of Tennessee State University. So we bleed HBCUs. I just want to let you know that you and family tonight. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Coach, this we're so glad to have this subject, this, the, 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 the tennis, the, the spring sports. What, what, how'd you get to um, Clark Atlanta and get into tennis, your love for tennis and teaching? Tell us a little about yourself and then how you ended up at Clark Atlanta University. Okay. Um, well, I've got been involved in tennis for 40 years. I was introduced to tennis by um, an older sibling who just wanted somebody to play to practice with. And back in the 70s, you know, not that many people were playing tennis. So uh, in, my, in my youth at that time, I started just hitting balls and playing and enjoying the game. And uh, just kept kept on doing it. I didn't play it as a sport through high school because I played other sports like baseball and basketball. And then I, as I got through out of college, tennis took over. So uh, and I just began coaching and um, doing it with and trying to just concentrate on becoming just the best coach as I could. And things happened, and I worked in academies around town, and and eventually uh, let it be known that I wanted to really get into coaching at a higher level. And, uh, because I was always interested in doing that, and this job came open, and my name got thrown in the hat, and uh, I, I put my I put my best foot forward, and they they decided to go with me, and uh, it, it was a blessing in the skies, and I'm just uh, happy and fortunate being from Atlanta, and uh, having known about Clark Atlanta University my whole life, and now I have an opportunity to be involved with them. Uh, my goodness, I'm excited to go to work every day. <laughs> what can I, I say? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I think uh, Dr. Kemp had a question. I see a lighting up there. Dr. Kemp? Um, sure. Um, so, Coach, can you just um, just talk about, like, what is the difference or what have you experienced the difference in coaching, you know, at the college level at Clark um, University versus, you know, your past coaching experiences? Well, I would say that uh, with any athlete at this level, the expectation of um, their commitment and uh, what they put out is a lot higher than, say, it has been at, say, some other levels like high school. But once they, a lot of these players have been playing all their life. And so now they are now put, being able to put forth and represent someone. So, you know, they carry more pride. You know, they can more work, a better work ethic. And so I, I enjoy being in that atmosphere uh, when everybody's go, working toward a common goal, which is to be, one, the best athlete that they can, best person they can, and to represent someone, you know, to, to have someone who, who trusts them, you know, enough to say, you put your ability out there for us. You know? Now, Coach, in getting ready for a match, because, you know, everybody watches football, basketball, but a lot of us, uh, need to be a little more educated. A college match, how do you match off against another team? Does your number one rank play the number seventh rank or number one play number one? Tell us how it matches off a typical uh, college match. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we have our, our lineup of, of players 
and our own internal system by how we decide who is maybe playing better this part of the season who can represent us. Usually at the, uh, the rules say that we have to play by strength, which means that our strongest player should be our number one player. And then we go down accordingly from there, all the way down to six positions in singles. And then at this level, they play three, three double sets, not four matches, but they play three sets of doubles. So you've got six players there who, based on their strength, should be going from one, two, three, four, five, six. And so throughout the year, um, players are constantly saying, you know, I want to play higher because that's what you do. When you play, you want to be at the best that you can. So um, it's, it's always competition. It's always um, keeping each other ready. And so all the teams do that. So when we come to play each other, we know that we're putting our best for four through one through six positions. And um, it's, been, it's a pretty good system. I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to ask Jim to come on with the next one. Uh, say basketball. A lot of teams may play up a division to get ready for the conference games. Now, SIAC is Division two. In your scheduling, do you schedule up, up in the beginning, play Division one schools, so when you come back and play Division two competition, you're stronger? Or do most teams just stay within the division? No, well, basically you got your conference and non-conference matches. You play your non-conference matches in the beginning, you probably play, you know, the, the uh, school that maybe you just may not have done that well against, but they're always something that you can learn from playing opponents that are better than you. So, uh, and so, like you said, you play up, you know, and so that prepares you for what may be ahead as far as when you start getting the conference play. Um, and so you're right. You, you want to put your put your uh, your team against the best athletes that they can to test where they are. You know, so that once they get the conference play, you know they are feeling strong and feeling confident. Jim, yeah, coach, I have a question to ask you because I was doing the research for the men's tennis, and I looked at Alabama State's team, and they are all Caucasian. I looked at the uh, all SIAC team, and you've got people from Germany, Zaire, uh, Caribbean. Is it hard for players to play tennis? I know baseball has some of the same problems. We're hard to recruit African American players to play tennis at HBCU. Okay, well, if the question is to give them a play at HBCU, no, I don't think it's difficult. I think that it depends on the talent. You know, um, if you the best players are going to go to the blue chip schools, you know, and, and so like Division One, and you start falling down to Division Two and the NAIA, so that and let's say for instance their 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 rating. I'm going to use the the rating that they use to say UTR. The people you see on TV, they have UTRs of like thirteen and fourteen which is extremely high. Uh, a high-end college player division one could be around 9, 10, okay? So then we're falling down to us and at division two, and we're now going from like seven to nine. So you're going to get those players who have those higher ratings are going to go to your blue chip schools, you know? And so as you start to go to the lower ratings, that start to fill up the, the lower, lower rated schools. How that sometimes ends up looking like their 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 white counterpart Caucasian are playing at the higher schools, they just be recruiting, 
you know, where they tend, where they tend, they traditionally recruit from. And so just like we're having to break those barriers, mm-hmm. we're still having to break those barriers at the, at the recruiting, you know, and, and they're going to the to players to get to the better schools. So um, sometimes the makeup is that who we have at the Lewis who have been the ones that we can recruit that, that generally will come, you know, looking for HBCU because they should just have gone to that, that type of location. You know? Coach, the Williams sisters, all right, you've been coaching for or playing for a while, since the 70s. Now you have the Williams, of course, at Townsend. You have Coach Gall, Stevens. How their influence throughout the last 20 years, how have you seen that grow the enthusiasm for young ladies in particular of color taking an interest in the game of tennis and your pool being bigger? Because of the Williams sisters and the and the young ladies who are playing now. Okay, um, let, let me. I'm making sure I understand your question. Uh, can you maybe rephrase it a little bit differently? I, I didn't How, quite catch it. Sure, sure. How have you seen the influence of the Williams sisters? You have talent. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Coco yeah. golf. How has the, have you seen their influence? Uh, I get it. I get it. You got me. Okay. Well, I mean, they, they've been great. You know, they, they've been great. They brought it to the forefront, not just tennis, but, you know, athletics in general because they're just such great athletes. And just our access to tennis has changed somewhat because of just the demographics of just, you know, our the people. Um, uh, we have more middle-class people that are, you know, black and African-American who can give their kids opportunity to play tennis. So now that they can get out there and, they, and it's more routine, you know, you're seeing now more African-American kids or non-white kids, you know, playing the game. And so that, and certainly to have um, ambassadors like Venus and Serena who can open it up to everybody uh, has certainly been a help. You know, so, um, you know, we have a lot of things that we need to get to them out the way they represent. Mm-hmm. Coach, let me ask you this. Go ahead, Jim. Do you see a different style of play with the Osakas, Townsend, Coco Golf, the, the Williams sisters? That they're more of a, you know, well, Serena is more power, but Naomi mm-hmm. is uh, more of a volley and uh, she's got power too, but she's quick on the baseline. Mm-hmm. Do you see that coming into play with uh, tennis players now? Well, you know, the the athleticism of the game has increased, you know, tenfold uh, since when, um, you know, Serena's playing versus back when uh, Althea Gibson played, you know. Now, Althea Gibson was quite an athlete herself, mm-hmm. but nothing like what we have today. I mean, you know, you look at the basketball players, and I'm six feet, I'm looking up at the girls now. <laughs> so, so uh, the, the, the athletes uh, are big. I don't know what we feeding them, but you know, they're, 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 and they're bringing it to the to the athletics, to the sport. You know, so uh, and of course they're going to be more athletic. They're stronger. You know, the equipment they handle is better. Um, so you know, the game is faster. Um, All right. So absolutely, it's more athletic. Coach, we're going to take a thirty second break. We're going to come right back. Okay, right back with Thank Coach you. Roderick Slack, Clark University in Atlanta. We'll be right back.
Coach, we're here with Coach Roderick Slack, women's tennis coach at Clark Atlanta University. Coach, I want to talk about some of your players this year. You came, you had a very strong regular season, 15, I believe, in five overall, and then got to the tournament semifinals. I guess Benedict got hot, so they ended up winning the tournament. But you had some players that did very well. Um, when we look at the all-conference team, you had a freshman, Gabrielle Blanks. Is that correct? That's she correct. made all-conference. Tell us about her, where she's from, her development, and what you see. Well, Gabrielle's our, one of our best freshmen who just ascended through when I first came on the team. Um, I thought of players, I said, you know, tell me what you bring to the team. You know, talk about yourself a little bit. And she said, well, I think I'm one of the best players on the team, and I want an opportunity to prove that. And I said, well, let's go then. And so uh, all throughout the team, you know, by her uh, her work ethic, what she put out and everything, and how her performance, she just kind of just walked through the lineup and eventually came from like five or six all the way up to one and two. So this young lady has put out uh, all season. So she deserved to be on the all-conference team. Um, all of us got a little tired toward the end, so unfortunately we couldn't do as well as we wanted to do um, in the in the conference championships. But uh, as far as you know, some of our players they 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 made some great accomplishments. I'm really proud of them. Yeah, yeah coach, because you, you let me ask you this, coach. Yeah. Go ahead, Marla. No, I was just gonna say you. I feel like you guys did great because um, along with blanks, you have um, is it Moffitt? Madison, right. you know, that right. they also secured all conference honors in doubles. Oh, absolutely. So, they, were, they were the best team in doubles. <laughs> great. Yeah, they, they did great. I just yeah. had a quick question that I wanted to ask. How do your um, student athletes, how do they prepare for their season, especially by it being a, a spring sport? Um, you know, how do they balance, you know, their schedules? And then do you add on that extra Mm, exercise since you are a certified exercise and conditioning specialist do you you know give it to them even <laughs> more in preparation well you know if, if you remember uh once you get to school at this level there's so many things to juggle you know and you know their school work their books study hall you know all that stuff so what we try to do is we try to get the time slots you know every day when everybody's most accessible and if I can't get 100% turnout, then I'm going to put some more time slots in there various times during the day when I may get the other 20%. So I'm trying to give them every opportunity to prepare, you know, within the, the um, constraints of the NCAA and um, what the school has done for them so they can be ready. Um, we have separate conditioning sessions aside from being on the court hitting tennis balls. So, um, because that's one of my chief philosophies is that we will never lose because we're tired, um, you know, so, uh, and they do it. And it's a lot that they have to juggle, you know, so I, um, I, I applaud them and <laughs> that they do have to do these things, you know, so. Yes, definitely. And I see that your, your, your senior, Miss Henry, she's uh, achieved the highest academic standing among 
her peers this year. So they're, they're, the girls yeah. are definitely doing something. Absolutely. Right. I, I, I want to really congratulate you, Reese Henry, for being uh, named that because um, smart people play tennis. <laughs> so you can definitely see uh, <laughs> uh, that in, in, in her. So we're yeah. uh, yeah, really proud of, of that accomplishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they know. Go ahead, Coach. Okay. Uh, Coach, Coach, I want to highlight. Um, And it's going to be a little bit off the wall, but follow me. For A Different World, The Cosby Show, and School Days all brought highlights to HBCUs and increased the enrollment. There is now one of my favorite shows on TV, All-American Homecoming, which I believe is filmed in Atlanta on you guys, on the uh, AU area campuses with Morehouse, Spelman, and such. Do you believe that that will bring a little, and that one of the main stars plays tennis, do you believe that that will give you guys a bump in terms of African-Americans seeing tennis being played on the HBCU level to bring in recruits. Oh, absolutely. You know, the more exposure that, you know, we can get to see the investment success that we have, you know, hopefully kids will start to say, hey, I'd like to play for them. I mean, I've got kids that are, that are writing me now that say, I, I always wanted to play for, for play for Claude. And uh, so, and then those are the kind of kids you want to get in, who bring in and want to be part of our family, you know, so, uh, and, and that we need to put out to represent, you know, the university. Coach Slack, I want to get a little bit of uh, just some publicity here on Clark Atlanta and its demographics. You have about 4,000 students, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And I know you have several majors. Let's say we have a person who hears this um, podcast. We're on about 12 platforms or a student, and they want to know, I come to there, I play tennis, but pre-med, business, international studies, uh, Clark has a wide variety. Well, tell us some more about the academics, uh, majors, and what it has to offer your student athletes. Okay, uh, let me find my notes from that. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, sure. Well, let's see. Let's start with our student athletes. About three hundred student athletes. One hundred and sixty-four of them have a grade point average of over three, three point oh. All right. Man. So, um, that's a um. More than fifty percent. Um, the graduation rate overall for the university is forty-two percent. Um, so they're you know putting some folks back out there in society, and uh, all right. So they're pretty selective in their admissions. With the acceptance rate is fifty-nine percent. Um, and the faculty ratio is 19 to 1. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, the breakdown of the major that they have is just massive. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I but you, know, if you look at business administration, you know, radio and television, you know, biological sciences, psychology, criminal justice, fashion design, social yeah. work, you know, it's the list is, it goes on and on, you know, um, and the number of graduates in all those areas is high, you know, so, um. They're, they're, they're putting some people out there and helping society, it seems like. 
and you also have graduate schools in all of those areas you just mentioned as well. I was I was studying up on that. So definitely the student athlete who comes there has everything that they need um, right there. Clark Atlanta University, uh, for sure. We have right. a few more questions. Uh, we'll come to Dr. Kemp. I know Jim, then we'll come to Dr. Kemp. Well, I'm going to give you guys a plug because my grandfather graduated from Atlanta U before it became Clark, you know, you know, Clark Atlanta U. And he went on to be very successful. And I think you guys do a great job in turning people. You get a lot, you know, he came from Rome, Georgia. So you get a lot of people from the state of Georgia come there and then go out and do great things in the world. So, you know, and my son is a Morehouse graduate. So, you know, that, and my daughter is a Spelman. I'm going to give it all. But, so, you know, kudos to Atlanta and Dick Clark, uh, AU, Spelman, Morehouse, and now Morris Brown is coming back. You guys do a great job there. Dr. Kemp? Coach, how do you keep your girls, the student athletes, and your girls um, focused with so much um, interaction with the other colleges? <laughs> mm. I mean, you know, you have four, three schools now, and in previously four, you know, like, like Jim just said, you have Morehouse, then, you know, you have Spelman and, and, and then your school and, and, uh, you know, Morris Brown at the time. So how do you just keep them focused on the goal, you know, at hand? Is it, is it difficult? Is it, you know, a little easy or? Well, yeah, you know, they, it is difficult because like I said before, they have so many distractions uh, today, <laughs> you know, and then, they, and, and then if they're, they're doing things. They're getting involved. They can't help it. They're just, they're good people. They want to get out and get involved and show that they want to contribute. Mm -hmm. So we just try to help, you know, just make sure you maintain your priorities, you know, and we give them enough rope to where they can explore, but understand that they you know, they came here to play tennis. And so they have to be, you know, professional about that. And so as they come in as freshmen, they start to see it's a different thing when I was in high school and they start to grow. You know, and then they get to be a summer sophomore. By the time they're seniors, they, they, they're doing a really good job of managing themselves. And then they show the younger kids, you know, the singers show the freshmen, you know, how it's done. That's like with any organization. You got to have, you know, that, that give back, you know, to help them understand how to, how to make it to move forward. Are they, uh, are all of the girls um, on your team, are they from the Atlanta area or, uh, you know, what's the makeup of where they're from? On it's about maybe forty percent are from Atlanta, and the rest are from elsewhere. You know, I have I have a girl from Nigeria, um, you know, as far as that, and uh, Las Vegas. You know, so they come from all over, and, and partly because of Clark's reputation. You know, and and and, and hopefully as our tennis improves, they'll want to come for that. So uh, we're putting we'll put them in from all over. <laughs> Yeah, but we all we want to have our we want to have our people from Atlanta also because of being an Atlanta school, um, and, and people have that pride when they come here. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of students that live on? Do most of your students live on campus, or are some transient from home? Um, all of them live on campus. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Dr. Kemp, we'll give you the last question. Well, let's see. Uh, 
this was and this was your first title, right, Coach? It is your first year. Your first it, year at Clark. It is. It, it is. It's my first job at the college level. My first title at Clark. So a lot of firsts. All right, Let's now. Lot, yeah. yeah. Well, Coach, we want to first of all thank you for this tremendous insight. Uh, we always want to talk about our spring sports, uh, sports that may not get the big crowds, but are just as important. In, in being an ambassador for the sport, for the university, and giving kids an opportunity for a college education. And so I can't say thank you enough for coming on our show. And, and you always have a voice. You always have a place. You don't have to be invited to come back, okay? You're part of the family here on Cliff Burton Friends. And so um, we just want to say thank you again, Coach, so much. And as we do before we get off the air each week, uh, we just want to talk about some upcoming things uh, next week. We also have another special guest, featured woman, Coach Shanika Randall-Lake. She's the coach of Winthrop College. Now, she's a former player for Pat Hill Summit and the Tennessee Balls, her only undefeated team, 39-0. And Shanika Randall-Lake started on that basketball team. So she'll be our guest next week. And then we move on later on into June. We're going to announce this early. One of the best coaches to ever coach basketball anywhere. From Virginia Union, Coach Dave Robbins, the legendary Dave Robbins, who won three national championships, Coach Ben Wallace, Charles Oakley, will be here on Cliff Burton Friends. But we want to say tonight, again, thank you, Coach Roderick Slack. And always, if you want some more sports, Wednesday evenings, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 9, 10 a.m. WFEF. Thank you for having me. Oh, yes, absolutely. You have Mark Jones and friends. You have Mark. You have Jim, he does double duty. You have Jack, you have Reggie, you have Luther, and you have Carl. So again, we thank you, and we will see everybody in about 168 hours from now. Coach Slack, thank you again so thank much. You, Clark, Welcome. University you, Panthers. Yes. Thank you, Coach. Nice to meet everybody. All righty.